message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. You're the rowdy group, huh? Yeah, I got to watch this guy right here. Yeah, he's, he's a little excitable. Uh, did you all have a good Thanksgiving? You know, I thought of something the other day. Somebody ought to open a restaurant. Because I don't know about you, but I like the leftovers better than the real stuff. But what, what I do, I come up with something the other day, and I thought, this should be a dish somewhere. When I do leftovers, I take the mashed potatoes and the dressing and the turkey and gravy, put it all in one big bowl and heat it up and eat it. That should be a, a dish somewhere on the menu, huh? Uh, I was reading a Reader's Digest. They said the Greeks believed their gods lived high on top of a very hikeable mountain, but no one ever went to check. I heard about the God I serve today that he lived on a very high mountain, and I went up and checked and came back down, and I'm here to tell you, he's there. He's there. He's real. Now, it was a holiday week, and I knew a lot of people were traveling, and I didn't want to go back to the Bible study because I like a rhythm there, so I'm going to take a break from it and do something that's on my heart here, and the next Sunday, we're going right back into Peter. I don't want to miss it. So we'll do something rather unique today. I want to take the opportunity to answer some questions that I've been asked over and over uh, the last few months, and here they are. I won't get to all of them today, but number one is, are God's promises conditional or unconditional? That's really important for us to know. Number two, is the Lord really coming back soon? Did you really think it's soon, Pastor Ron? Number three, what does it mean that the violent people take the kingdom by force? Now, let me say something about that one because we might not come back to it. In Matthew 11, it's very interesting. The first 19 verses of that chapter is all about John the Baptist. And it, it takes certain things about John the Baptist in, in a couple places and compares them to Jesus. Now, I love this. John the Baptist was born on this earth, much like you and I, with a purpose for his life. He was to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, John left. God took him home. His job was done. It was completed. I've tried teaching you that. People see John the Baptist. He wasn't real old. When he went to prison and he, 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 they, they took his life from him, he died. But his job was done. And I believe we saw the backstory. John has a real God story about when he died. I bet it was crazy. Anyway, to make a long story short, see, when you want to look up this strange verse that the violent take the kingdom by force, when you want to look something up like that and understand it, Context is, is king. Context is, is, is the whole thing. That's the only way you're going to understand it. Because this violent men taking the kingdom by force, that's only used, those Greek words, like twice in the New Testament. And the same verse is kind of repeated in Luke where it says that instead of violent men, it says men are forcing their way into the kingdom. 
Now, I think this is very interesting because this whole verse, I don't have time to teach it thoroughly, but it's a graphic picture of the enthusiasm and the excitement that was generated by the teachings of Jesus and John to such a degree that people were hungry for the truth and they couldn't be kept away. Thousands, they followed John the Baptist. They couldn't wait. Now, what is this kingdom of God thing, baptizing? They were excited. And when he died, those thousands began to follow Jesus. In fact, in Luke 12 and 1, it says thousands of people were stepping on one another. They were trampling one another, following Jesus. See, these crowds that follow John the Baptist and Jesus don't Americanize them. They, they were not well-organized, polite groups of people. They were hungry people. They were desperate people. And they wanted what was being taught. They had a hunger in them. They were pushing each other aside and crowding in front of one another and probably pushing each other down. We know it in the New Testament, they removed the roof of the building to try to get to Jesus. They were yelling and screaming out as he walked by. See, the whole idea, have you ever seen a desperate person? You ever seen a desperate parent that wants their baby healed? You ever seen a desperate person that has a loved one dying and they want to get to Jesus? They'll push you aside. They'll be violent. The whole idea of this is that truth creates a certain amount of passion. Because Jesus said in that text, he said, from the time of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. They just waste this. I, I will not be denied this blessing. They're pushing people aside, knocking people down. Now, I believe that, and as your pastor, you know that, that, that the more you believe in Jesus, the more passion it's going to stir up. I'm going to tell you stories. I've heard that 10 times before. You have, but they're all different stories. I continue to throw it in front of your face. I went up on the mountain, and I found him. Tuesday night, I came home and told Debbie, I think I might have COVID for the second time. Identical symptoms I had the first time. I started chilling. I felt achy. I felt trashy. felt horrible. And so Tuesday night, I told her, I didn't want to tell her how bad I really felt because all the grandkids, kids were coming down. We had a big celebration planned on Wednesday and Thursday. I know you don't like what I'm going to say, but I bought all my grown grandkids shotguns <laughs> so we could go out and kill some things and then eat it. No, I like to hunt birds. And I made them take hunter safety courses. And we were going to take these side-by-sides and go up over mountains. We had all kinds of stuff planned. And so I did my thing. And you say, this sounds very familiar, but it's what I do. Poor Debbie just sits in the corner. She starts interceding. And I start taking the floor, man. And I said, God, right now. I start walking the floor saying, you know what? I'm sick and this is not your will. I have planned this Thanksgiving for a long time. And right now, God, I'm going to tell you the word again. You know the word. But it says, if you ask anything according to my will, I hear it and you'll get it. That's your word. I didn't write this. You did. It is not your will that I don't spend this day with my grown grandkids. I don't know how much longer I'll be in this earth. Another 10 years, 12, 13. I don't have a lot of time. And I have a huge day planned with those kids. 
And so right now, in Jesus' name, you cannot lie. The Word says, if I ask anything according to your will, I get it. It is your will that I'm there on that holiday. I spend time with them. I will not take this. I curse any COVID that's in my body, any sickness in my body. I command you to die according to Jesus Christ. And I preached. I was walking. My wife is over there praying. I was walking 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I was walking. I was shouting. Went to bed. Woke up perfectly well the next morning. My sniffles was gone. My runny nose was gone. Now, the rest of the family all have COVID today, but no, no. Uh, see, some of you have never been around that. You'll see in a video we play today that Josh says, Dad, you taught us this. You taught us this, Dad. I don't just teach them. I, you know, say, here's what you can do. I, I show them, here's what you do, and here's the results. See, some of you never have known normal because you never seen normal. This is normal in my world. Either he's a God of the word or he ain't nothing. Either it's all true or none of it's true. And you have to stand on the word. The violent take the kingdom by force. I could preach. Number four, I was going to talk about it, but people have been asking me, hey, why should I tithe and give? Oh, I'll give you the reason, and it's a cool reason. You'll like it. When should I fight spiritual battles? And when should I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus? We're going to talk about We won't get to that today. The first two questions I'm going to answer in a video. Now, this is about 12 minutes long. We'll be out of here on time today, but watch this video, and then I'll come back out and teach. Hey guys, everybody's going to wonder where we're at up here today. When they look around, they're going to go, what Sunday school class is that? <laughs> so you want to tell them where we're at? I had a poker table and a saloon. We're in a bar. <laughs> is that where we're at? No, uh, not quite. But um, Yeah, we're up at the ranch. Uh, at, the, at the ranch, and uh, you guys, actually, uh, the church uh, bought this place and it had a bar and had a saloon, and so... You put a bunch of fake liquor there because we want to look like we're, uh, we're drinkers. And <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. a mighty man, this is not new to you. You right. come up for some retreats here. Yeah. Yep. This is Shady Springs Ranch. This is the miniature Calico West. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we got general store, we got jailhouse, we got bathhouse. This saloon is outrageous. Pretty sure this is like how Knott's Berry Farm started. It's got to be the way Knott's Berry Farm started. <laughs> we are starting Knott's Berry Farm. I think people would have it here. Everything in here is the 1800s, yeah. everything. That's and it's cool. so cool. It's really something to see, you guys. <laughs> we even have uh, bloody... Um, bloody cards. Bloody cards. <laughs> and we got, we got want, wanted posters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, hey, we're up here today. And uh, we all have some questions on our mind. And I had a couple. And, and these have to do with our Bible study because I'm going to continue our Bible study today. And uh, so just some questions I needed, I needed to throw out there and let you guys discuss with me. And one of them came up on our Bible study. Uh, a week or two ago, and it was our God's promises conditional. Mm-hmm. And we've got to know that. Are they unconditional or are they conditional? Now, I think I have an answer to this, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. Do you think his, his promises are conditional or unconditional? I, I'm interested because I, it's a tough question. I was looking and I came to a conclusion, and I, feel free to correct me faster. I saw a little of both in a way. Let me explain. Um, 
God promising that he set a rainbow, he's not going to flood us again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything I can do in my little body to change that. But God, God saying he would save the world through Jesus Christ is a promise as well. Mm -hmm. But I had to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and choose to follow him. I think, I think a simple answer for that question is um, if God puts a condition on it, then <laughs> yeah, there's a condition. There go. If he doesn't, then there's not. You, you have taken the whole solution out of my lips. Because <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same. Some are conditional. Some are not. Okay, but, but here's the thing. For example, I, I, I repeated this in my sermon. I have this video, crazy video, of this crazy doctor story. This doctor is a really born-again Christian. Long story short, they bring a guy to him. The guy dies in the hospital room. And this doctor, you know, pronouncing him dead, leaving the room. God spoke to him, go back and pray over this guy and do this, this, this. He went back. God said, go back again, again, again. The guy came back to life. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. And so what I kind of took off on is what this doctor said to the next doctor who was taking his shift. This doctor was leaving. Another doctor was taking a shift. And he said to this other doctor, he said, hey, he's yours. Do whatever you want to him because you can't kill him because God wants him alive. Hmm. You can't kill him. Hmm. And, and that was kind of like, you know, what got me going on this. But Josh, yeah. you said it well. And you said it well, Justin. That, you know, with the commandments in the Old Testament, it says, if you do this, you'll be successful. If you don't do it, you'll be cursed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> If God gives promises with conditions, they're conditional. If he gives no conditions, they're not. Well, I think, too, uh, there's the large story that God is going to take care of his people. And then there's yeah. the individual stories where, you know, God does put responsibility on us uh, as we grow in the faith. And, um, you know, when we're young in, in the faith, I don't know if we have as much responsibility. But as we get older, it's like yes. I think God wants us to, to stand on our two feet a little bit and be adults, you know. Well, you know, it was like when God told me when I was dying of cancer. He says, I'm not going to let you die. You're not going to die. But he put no conditions on it hmm. because I did everything to mess it up. I went and took all these medicines. I was doing all this stuff. He didn't, there was no conditions. He said, you're not going to die. And I think there are, there are promises that God's going to give to our people. Yeah. And they're not having conditions on them. And if there's no conditions on them, then there's no conditions intended. Right. And you can't do anything to mess it up. If he says something, like he's promised me several things in my life, mm -hmm. and there were no conditions on it, mm -hmm. and I did everything in my power to mess them up, like Abraham even, you know, and David. We take some of these guys that God gave promises to, and doggone, they did everything they could do to mess so them up. What if, but me, they didn't mess them yes, up. Let me ask 100%. you this. Um, go off script a little bit and, and ask you, what if somebody feels like they have messed up God's promises for their lives? I mean, what, do you, what would you tell somebody like that? Because I, I've noticed a lot of people, um, if they mess up, then they think that, oh, well, I'm out of God's will, so, so it doesn't matter anymore. So they quit church. They start you know, drinking a lot. Like I've seen people go completely south because of one mess up and, and you know, maybe they're missing the mark on something. Maybe well, I've taught for years, problems. Josh, that they're a primary, the primary will of God and they're secondary. Mm -hmm. And if you miss the primary and you mess it up royally, mm -hmm. just repent, get back to God. And if he can't give you the primary will back, which he can very often, he'll give you the secondary and that secondary will be as good as the primary. And is it, don't you think too, that's a great answer. I, I agree with that hundred percent. Don't you think too, there's a, there's a, a reward of just having God in your life, even if you have, you know, not been as successful as you might have been otherwise. Like you still have God, you still have Him. You know, I, I consider knowing the greatest accomplishment in my life is knowing the Lord. I fully yeah. believe, according to Pastor Ron's word, I could have had a different route in sports and a lot of things, but my personal choices messed that up. Correct, right. but. 
and then finding Christ and becoming a pastor, pursuing youth, youth ministry, found a whole new calling yeah. that was well, well worth it. Was was it the original plan? God could have used me in tons of other things <laughs> right. and still used me to glorify well, the Lord. My wife asked me just a couple nights ago, she was like, do you have any regrets in life? And I said, no, not really. You know, And it's not that I haven't done anything wrong. I've done lots of things wrong. Um, I've made a lot of decisions that weren't good decisions. Mm-hmm. But at the end, you know, you, you do see how God makes all things work together for good. And and it's kind of a, it's built my faith. Well, there's one there too. Honest. There's a condition yeah. on that one, right? That God will cause all things to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and yeah. love him. And who love him, yeah. and, But shouldn't we all yeah. love him and be called according to his purpose? So many of the conditions are automatically filled by people who love God. Yeah. Yeah. They're automatically. So in a way, there aren't a lot of conditions to promises when the promises conditions are just living well, I think wholeheartedly such, for God. I think yeah, it's such answers an, most of it. It's such an important topic because I think the devil lies to us so much and says, you know, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. There you, you go. You ruined everything. There you go. You, uh, you know, the, the, the plan God has for you, it's nothing now and you don't even matter anymore. And yet we're still breathing. Well, Josh, that's, that's just what I'm driving at. Because it's our human nature to think he's given me a promise and I'll mess it up so I'm not even going to have faith in the promise anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got to know his promises are bigger than your mess ups. Yeah. When he gives a promise, man, those things, they have a long shelf life yeah. and a tough shelf life. And usually, or not usually, but a lot of times they're made without conditions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are conditions. But if you're loving God with all your heart, you'll be fulfilling those yes. conditions. He loved us while we were still yet sinners. And I think it's so important that when you sin again or you feel like you fall again, remember, Jesus didn't come get you because you were perfect. Yeah. He came and got you because you it were saddens a me Because I think a lot of people have such a limiting view of God because of what they've been taught or maybe the culture around them, uh, maybe their upbringing, you know. Uh, but God is so much bigger and so much more gracious, but also just a good father. He disciplines us well, you know, and he Very molds us so. and shapes us. And so, well, you know, that, that goes back to the second question I wanted to ask. And it has to do with the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, I was at uh, an appreciation dinner at our Northwest campus the other night. Mm. And I was appreciating the volunteers. And I said, a lot of you really believe that God sees what you're doing and he'll reward you when he comes back. Mm. Because here's our, our, we got a problem, guys. Mm. Because if I read the Bible correctly, the spirit of the letter says that if you get paid for doing what you're doing, then you won't get a reward in heaven necessarily Mm. because you've already got your payment. So for us, I mean, it translated to me that I've worked like 70 hours a week because I wanted the 2030 to be for God. And maybe that's not, you know, precisely the way it's meant. But I think so often in the church world, I see us trying to pay everybody, give them something. You know, here's something for doing this, this, something for doing this. Mm -hmm. And we're taking their rewards away. Well, we're robbing them too. We're robbing them of rewards. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I've always thought that, you know, if you put, if you, if your treasure is God and things of of, of, of the kingdom of heaven, then you put your you put everything you have into that. You put your time, your your uh, resources, your energy, uh, your gifts, and all those things, and you will start to care about that more. You know, your heart will follow that passion. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, my wife was just reminding me of that the other night too. She's she's my counselor right now. So they all are. They all are counselors, good, right? And your wife, your counselor. Isn't it nice when <laughs> God gives you the right one? Oh gosh, you know you can't make it ministry without the right one. Is that right? I, I couldn't make it in anything. There's no way. Yeah, 
not right. even just ministry. I don't know how he can, he who finds a good wife has found a good thing is so true because yeah, I, I rely on Cassie, my wife. To, to I don't know if she if she always thinks the same uh, with me, <laughs> but I, I definitely same boat. I definitely uh, I've always known that, that God brought my wife into my life, and she's just like the strongest person right now for me. You know, and yeah. it's just been really cool to have that. Well, you know, going back to our subject. We have a lot of workers. I mean, people like us, this is our living. Yeah. So we got it paid, obviously, because we have to give 40, 50 hours a week. And we can't, don't have time to go out and make a living. And that's basically it. Mm-hmm. But for so many of the volunteers out there, they are, I hope, they're choosing to believe that when I go to heaven, I'm going to be rewarded for every one of these things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I brought to their attention the other day... Uh, the fact that one day I was standing in the back of the church, and, and you know defining moments, because they're with you today like, like they happened yesterday, but it happened like 30 years ago, 20. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in the back of the church, and, and I felt this conversation going on in my head with God. Mm-hmm. And he says, you're pretty proud of what you're doing, huh? And I said, yeah, man, we're growing. We got revival, da-da-da-da-da. And I felt like God said, you know what? Anybody would do what you're doing for the salary you're getting. Mm-hmm. Anybody. And it's just kind of, Knocked me upside the head, going, "Whoa!" Which and is so, insanely high, by the way. We don't want to start a new rumor yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, long story short, I started thinking, God, I just got to serve you. I've been called. See, you don't have a job, Mm-mm. and you don't have a job. I don't have a job. This is a calling that we're just living out, and people are gracious enough to pay us to do it. Yeah, but it's something I would have to do if I was a volunteer, whatever. People don't understand how intertwined our whole being is. Oh, in it's day and night. Yeah. Uh, at three in the morning, my phone goes off. I have to pick it up, answer it, see if it's important. Yeah. This is twenty four seven. It's not something where you come home, punch a clock, and say I'm out. I'm off. There's, if I go to the grocery store, I'm on. If I go to the mall, I'm on. And, 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 and you feel it too because you care about the people. You care, there's a few people right now that are going through hard times, and it's just it is really jacked me the last few days. You yeah. know, just thinking about their lives, thinking about what they're going through. Um, I, I just, uh, that, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about our church is, is when we see somebody hurting, you know, we will go to them and we'll talk to them and, and help them out. We have shepherd's know. hearts. 100%. Yeah. That, that, that uh, Wisconsin thing of that car driving that's through the crowd. That's so sad. I sat and wept today. I actually had tears running down my face. I was wiping, taking my glass off, wiping them. Little kids are in the hospital fighting mm-hmm. for their life. Hit by cars. That's what that's what empathy is. Okay, I, I, I've been experiencing that because, of course, my son's in the hospital and um, Josh has called, prayed with me. Um, yeah. um, the church I haven't had. I've had the kids solo, which is not easy. Um, I haven't. I've, I had to cook one meal so far. It's been a week. The church has <laughs> came and brought meals. And that's it's cool, cool to see. That's really cool. And it makes me wonder how do people survive not being involved uh, in the yeah. church? Like. Yeah. I can't do it. I'm. I'll be humble enough to admit I can't do this life alone. I yeah. thank God we have a church. I thank God I have pastors. It's a family, isn't like, it? It's it's amazing, and um, I just I feel I feel for the people who don't have that. Like as you were talking about feeling yeah. for people, How I feel for it? people who don't have a relationship. Well, there are with a lot God. of people that, are, that have isolated themselves because of pride or whatever, and when they need others, they still stay in isolation because that's how they set up their life. You know. Josh hates this, but I'm going to get a little theological on you. Okay, I know you hate that. But I'm really wondering, does the average Christian out there really, really believe the Lord's coming back? If they did, they might be changing their lifestyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, he's coming back. We're, giving a, we're going to give an account for everything we did to make disciples on this earth. Now, with that said, 
we are seeing the climate of our culture and nation change so rapidly. Someone asked me a question of the day, Pastor Ron, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, obviously it's not. But when people ask that, immediately bells go off in my head going, they don't know their Bible. They don't know their Bible. Why isn't the vaccination the mark of the beast? Well, here's the deal. We're told. We're told specifically in Scripture, whether it's symbolic or not, we're not sure. But in the last days, there would be a mark given to people, either on their right hand or forehead. Without it, they can't buy or sell. Now, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago, I thought, man, that's never going to happen. That's so far off. But today, we're seeing economical discrimination right now. I mean, stuff's moving so quickly that you could see how this could happen. The Lord is coming back. He really is. Now, the Bible says that in the last days, there will be very tough times. Now, when you have time this week, read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. There's 19 words or phrases there that describes the way people are going to be in the last days. It says, for example, they'll be lovers of themselves, heartless, and brutal. We have kind of a paparazzi-type culture today in the fact that we think nothing of invading people's private lives and putting it out there for everybody to see. If we disagree with something somebody does, we cancel them out. We write them off. If you make a mistake, we don't let them off the hook. If they say something we don't like, we crucify them. We think it's no big deal. I get very peeved at people that will listen to these late night comedians talk show guys who make a living off of making fun of people. They make a living. They have absolutely no respect They have absolutely no fear of God. Uh, They just basically make sport of people on social media and late night television. It's almost like society's going around with a two by four in their own eyes trying to get the speck out of other people's eyes. It's ridiculous. It's a sad day to be living in. But on the other hand, the darker it gets, the more our light's going to stand out because we're going to be totally different. In 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4, it says, scoffers will come in the last days saying, humbug, where's the promise of his coming? Why, ever since the fathers fell asleep, things stay the same as they were from creation. Now, I added humbug. Don't go looking that up in the Greek. That was my, my little thing right there. But you get the idea. Now, do you all agree with me that something really bad's going on in the world right now? All the hatred and anger and resentment and jealousy. I mean, it's bad. But I want to tell you something. It's going to get worse. The Bible says it's like heart, like uh, uh, birth pangs. It's going to start out. It started out maybe a few years ago. And man, every year it's going faster, 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 faster. And it's going to get really bad. But look at what Scripture says. Look at Luke 21, 36. It says, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength, or I like the other version, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Look at Luke 21, 28. 
But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. And then look at Revelation 3 and 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on it. Now, I just found something very interesting in Revelation chapter 13. It speaks there of the earth dwellers during the middle of the tribulation. And if you look that up in the Greek, it means people of a certain kind, people of a different kind. And what it's saying, at the middle of the tribulation, all that's left on the earth is non-believers. The believers are gone. They went somewhere. The believers have apparently been raptured before the mark of the beast appears. Now, again, I've probably been asked 20 times, Pastor Ron, do you think that the, mar- the COVID vaccine could be a forerunner or maybe even the mark of the beast? And obviously, this is only asked by people who haven't got the vaccine, right? Yeah. I feel bad when I hear those kind of questions because I know they don't know the Bible. They know just enough to be dangerous. That's all. Saddens my heart to think that there's some Christian people going around that thinks that God would be that sneaky and that, that, that dishonest to let us get a mark of the beast that basically, you know, dooms us for eternity without us knowing what we were doing. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Look at Revelation 13, 10, the first part of it. It says, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. We were not destined for captivity. Look at Revelation 13, 15 through 17. And it was given to him. Now, this is the false prophet. The false prophet will, he's going to bring on the mark of the beast. It's going to be a religious figure who's going to push this. To him it was, to hit, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would, have, would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. They're going to die. The people that don't yield themselves to the worship of the beast, they're going to die. And then it says, and then this false prophet causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, we don't know if this is going to be figurative, symbolic, or literal. I I tend to think it's going to be literal. I was blown away a few weeks back when our governor of California said that in L.A. County, some stores, some restaurants, and businesses would require people to show proof of vaccination before you could enter their place and buy or eat. Some of the owners of the business, if they didn't give proof, they could not sell. Man, has that come on right around the corner or what? That is crazy. Now, listen to me closely. I'm not advocating either pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. It is my opinion that, pulpits, that politics need to stay out of the pulpit. I'm not taking one side or the other. I am not called to clean up the fishbowl. I've been called to save the fish. And I'm going to do it. 
I will never be pro-Republican, pro-Democrat, because I want to minister to the Republicans, the Democrats. I want to bring them all to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will never take a side. Never take a side. Someone sent me this quote at random yesterday, and I love it. Put it up. Evangelical religious leaders need to retreat from politics and reestablish their authority over the religious field. They should focus on building the kingdom instead of changing the culture because the culture has already colonized their kingdom. That is so true. One famous comedian even suggested that the, the doctors and nurses in the hospital set people aside that aren't vaccinated and don't treat them. I'm glad they're not listening to him. It's almost like we're at in a dress rehearsal for something coming. Doesn't it seem like that? This is the practice round. We're getting ready. People's minds are being conditioned to move a certain way. I mean, this is happening, and it's happening faster, 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 faster. Let me say three things, and then we're going to go back and finish four minutes of that video, and you're in for a little surprise, and then I'm going to come back and end the service. Three things. Number one, Jesus is coming back. He is. It's just like the first coming of Jesus when he was born in a manger. People knew that Messiah was going to be born to some virgin somewhere, and all the little 15-year-old girls was hoping it was them, hoping it was them, and they heard this for year after year after year. It became mundane until one day they said, he's born. He's here. And it's going to be the same thing. Out of the clear blue sky, he's going to come back. And we've been warned and warned and warned, stay ready, stay ready, stay ready. We've been warned, yet people are sleeping. Wake up, wake up, wake up. He is coming back. I'm like Noah building an ark, and it's going to rain, it's going to rain. They just played around, it's going to rain. Number two, we need to wake up and get serious about kingdom business. God hasn't asked us to do much. I've, I've taught you that. He just says, carry your own weight. The people I put in your world, share your story. Pray for them. Tithe and give offerings and help the kingdom. Hey, it's simple things. And he says, I'm so great. And we would have found this out today if I got to answer the one question. But he says, whatever you give back, I'll make sure you give back 100 times as much on this earth and in heaven. I got a lot to say about that. And then number three, we need to be the light in a very dark world. I'm sure I could think of many experiences, but you'll figure it out on your own. Let me give you one example. I take this seriously. Me and three, four of the young guys was up in Twin Oaks in the mountains the other day, and we stopped by this little bitty restaurant. It was little. You couldn't hardly move. I had to go to the bathroom, so I... There's about a space this big, and I kind of went by, excuse me, went to the bathroom. Came back, and a gentleman took his chair and shoved it back right in my way where I couldn't get through. And I said, what's this? And so I went on, and I squeezed through somewhere and got to my chair, and he says, hey, stay out of my space. He says, you've got a lot of room in here. Stay out of my space. I don't want anybody's butt in my face. Stay out of my space. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, you go around next time. So I said, Okay. So I sat there about 10 minutes, I tapped him on the shoulder, I said, look, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to upset you or anything. So then his wife started in, said, well, you, you should be sorry. You, you can go outside and go around this way. You can do that. You don't invade our space. And I thought, whoa. She said, I was sorry. So I sit there and start praying my breath. God, what do I do? What do I do? I upset these people. 
And all of a sudden, it's like something changed. The guy turned around, he said, uh, you guys have a ranch up here? And I said, yeah. He said, hey, I, I'm really sorry about the way we started. Cool. He said, no, no, I'm really sorry. And then the wife and the other lady who was with said, uh, what's your name? I said, Ron Vietti. You're part of the Vietti clan? I said, yeah. <laughs> Vietti Schmarvin, they're an honorary bunch. I said, I'm part of them. And then she says, well, you know, there's one Vietti that pastors a big church somewhere in Bakersfield. I said, I think I'm him. <laughs> and so we exchanged numbers and everything. And everything got real cool. But one of the guys looked at me and said, Pastor, you just taught us and modeled something for us. Amen. Now, 20 years ago, that wasn't me. He said, weren't you in the ministry 20 years ago? Yeah, but I was a fighting pastor. I don't mind. <laughs> you ever seen the Apostle, the movie? That's me. So, but we got to grow and get serious about this. Now, stay with me. It's just like four minutes. We're going to end this video, and then I'll come back and close the service. One day, I went downstairs at, my, at our house when I was, in, I was 16 years old and uh, not living, not living right. And I uh, went downstairs, and the stove was on. Uh, there was water boiling. Uh, the TV was on. <laughs> I know where this uh, is going. <laughs> and the door was kind of cracked, and nobody was there. And I was like, it happened. It's over. It happened. It's over. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you were left. what am I going to do? Where are the guns? Where are the guns, right? Uh, <laughs> they were just outside. And, and but that's also from that movie we used to play, that old yeah, left behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's exactly how it so started. So the second story is I'm driving down the street one day, uh, right, on 24th Street toward uh, 58. And I look up in the sky and I see this bright light. And it's like it's like twilight. And I'm like, what is that light? What is I'm like, he's, he's coming. He's coming right now. I'm like, all right, Lord, whatever you want. You know, I'm sort of praying. How many <laughs> it was times? A weather balloon. I don't know weather if you've balloon. done this. But how many times has my heart started beating fast? I'll go, Debbie, Debbie? Yeah. And I think she's on the house. She's not outside. I knew she was more spiritual than me. I knew it. The rapture's happened. She's gone and I was left. <laughs> I've, I've even walked into our offices before and it's just like oddly empty. And I'll yeah. be like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> you know what's funny is, is, is we, we have a hard time fully understanding all of it. But so did the, the first disciples. When they were yeah. in the, the, uh, the, the upper room, and Jesus came to them, they were still asking for political uh, uh, asylum. They were still asking mm -hmm. for political change. And um, I see it today, a lot of Christians are so focused on politics and so focused on, you know, we want things to change in our culture. Whereas if you read the Bible, well, it, it's not going to get a lot better uh, culturally. It's not going to get a lot better uh, in our countries. It's going to get people are getting all freaked out about what's going on in the world right now and it's crazy but this stuff has to take place now now get this if it's like jesus said it's birth pain it's going to get faster 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 and it's really bad pretty bad right now again i really believe we are very close to the return of jesus and i think most christians are sleeping they don't believe that i really do and I, I want to be found ready the yeah. minute he comes back. So anyway, this question was just on my mind because it's going to come up in our Bible study. I'm telling you now, I'm like Noah building the ark. The rain's coming. It's coming. No one listened to him. And so the Lord's coming back. We need to be all about making disciples. We need to be about getting the bad stuff out of our life, getting close to God. So let me ask you this real quick. Last question. What's your biggest fear for the generation, uh, our generation and younger? My biggest fear is this. The Bible says in the Old Testament, there was a generation that rose that didn't even know God. Mm. And my biggest fear is that 
that slowly but surely parents are not handing the faith down, not radical faith. Hmm. And that we're going to raise up a generation that goes, who's God like in Israel, went to Israel. You, you, you were with us. And with those young teenagers all over the streets in Israel would say, you know who Jesus is, now go, who's that? Hmm. You they know, didn't know who Jesus what's, was. What's interesting, this is a gut check for me, is growing up in our house, uh, you didn't just assume that I was going to get it all in church. You didn't right. assume I was going to get it all in mm-hmm. kids' ministry. You instilled it in me every night. I wanted you to get night. more in the house by far than you would get at church. Yeah, and you did. And that's why probably why I have faith today. And so that's a gut check for me to, to make sure that I'm doing that with my kids. I do it, but I, I, I need yeah. to do it better. You well, know? we all do. And your kids, yeah. you know, it's, we're going to be sitting here like it's someday it's going to... We had to have a little fun with that. We were near the end, and Josh says, how do we end this? I said, I know. I know. <laughs> have you been to the mountain? Do you know the God I know? Do you really know him? I'm telling you, I believe if I read the Bible correctly, it says that one of the key points in prophetic history was when Israel came back home. The Jews were scattered all over the world. A Jew should not even exist today. Where is the Hivite and the Hittite and the Philistine? They're extinct. The Jews were sent all over the world, but they stayed intact. And God promised and said, I'll bring you home so I can finish up business. He writes about it in the Bible. And in 1948, May, he brought them back home. He said, I'm going to finish up business. And then the curtain is going to be drawn. He said, it's over. He brought them home in 48. And if I read the Bible correctly, it says, everybody alive at that time will not be dead when the Lord returns. That's my generation. There will be a lot of us still alive, and we'll see it. He's coming back. Father God, I pray right now that people will listen and not turn a deaf ear to me like they turn to Noah in the Old Testament. Noah said, it's going to rain. You better get ready. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Nobody believed him. Nobody believed him. You are coming back. Everybody needs to repent. Repent of their ways. Repent of their sin. Receive Jesus as a personal Savior. If you say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. All you online out there, it's real easy. I went in my bathroom one day and I said, God, I want to change sides. I want to be your kid. And so I ask you today to send the Holy Spirit. Send your spirit. Come and live in my body. Take my life. I don't want it anymore, God. Come and live inside of me. Give me the strength I need to start following Jesus. It was a done deal that day. We got people be praying at the end up here. But I'm going to sign off here. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our Lord.